South Africa's Minister of Electricity is a very optimistic government official. Should the powerless and power-constrained share that optimism? Let's find out from the Democratic Alliance's Shadow Minister of Electricity, Samantha Graymeyer. Welcome, Samantha. Hi, Chris. Thank you so much for having me. Now, how optimistic should we be that the electricity crisis in the country will be resolved within a year? Well, we can we can go along with Dr. Ramaphorpa's optimism, who uh, I think his his predictions change weekly in terms of when it will be over. Um, but if we actually had to have a look at Eskom's outlook for the next fifty two weeks, you will see that every single week is indicated in red, which means that there will be load shedding according to Eskom for every single week of the next fifty two weeks. In other words, we can keep talking about having turned the corner. We can keep saying that we are, you know, beating load shedding. But at this stage, we are spuch and pluck, as they say in the classics. We are patching where we can, um, and we're doing nothing to actually fix the problem. We are just addressing the symptoms. Now, on what does the minister base his optimism? Is it Kusili? Yes, he has He has said that Kusili is obviously the answer to our major energy um, availability factor issues. Um, but at the end of the day, one has to remember, we lost the three uh, units last year. The three have come back online, one, two, and three. But what has happened is, is that it has been a, um, it's been a partial fix. It's, it's a temporary fix that they've done so that they could get them online quickly. Those three units are going to have to go offline again at some point to have a permanent fix done because they've bypassed the, the desulfurization flues at this stage to get them up and running. But in order for us to meet our emission requirements, in order for us to meet the climate change requirements that we have agreed to as a country, they are going to have to make sure that those are properly fixed in the long run. And that is going to mean at least 2,400 megawatts offline while those are being repaired. Also, to base everything on one one coal-fired power station is, I believe, a bit disingenuous and I also think um, overly optimistic because as our fleet is aging, so we're getting more and more problems with the fleet. Um, things are breaking down more regularly. The maintenance has not been done over the years. So um, the state and condition of our fleet is so poor uh, that we can't just be basing all our load shedding um, ending optimism on one power station at this stage. Now, extending the lives of the coal-fired power stations get people quite excited because it seems like a quick and easy solution to the problem. But is it really? What are the critical issues around that? There has been a report commissioned by the Department of um, Finance, by National Treasury, on uh, what it's going to take to turn around the uh, coal-fired power stations. This report has not been... um, It it was given to Cabinet, as far as I'm aware, at the end of October, uh, end of September, but it has not been released to the public. Um, I'm submitting a PI request this week to the Department of um, Finance to, to get a copy of this report. Essentially, this report would assess the condition of the coal-fired power stations and whether or not we have the financial means, the capabilities, the engineering um, capabilities to return these to a feasible and operational state. So 
the problem with, with the coal-fired power stations is that they've been allowed to degrade to such an extent that it's going to take a vast amount of money to get them back to an operational state. We are going to battle to get funding for that because no country in the world, no bank in the world is going to provide funding for coal-fired um, power stations. Not with the entire move against that and the move to, to sustainable climate action. So we're going to struggle to find any funding available. There's none in government. Government has got no money. So there's no funding available internationally for us to, to work on the, the coal-powered stations versus bringing in a, a sort of renewable program into the country. So I think that's going to be our biggest problem is, is that the, the, station, the, the power stations are in a horrendous condition. They require massive maintenance and upgrades, um, and there's no money available for that. Other issues surrounding that? Green energy requirements? Look, one, of, one of the biggest um, blocks according to the minister, to us bringing in renewable energy or any other new energy is that our grid is um, incapable of handling any increase in the in, trans, in transmission. So what they're saying is that we need to extend our grid by about 10 to 14,000 kilometers, which they're looking at about 255 billion rand in order to do that. So this is a very easy way to say, look, we can't do anything because, you know, the grid can't cope with it. And the grid was designed around the coal-fired uh, coal power stations in Mpumalanga in the northeast of the country. And the place where we need to put in the renewables is in the Capes, in the northern, eastern, western Cape. So um, we don't have the grid capacity to do that. Um, I've recently read a study where they have looked at how we can do that, where we can bring green um, energy online without actually affecting transmission. Um, where we can use things like load curtailment as a mechanism to control the, the grid so that the grid's not overloaded. There are ways around it, and we have to be bringing on renewables. At this stage, yes, they're unreliable, and we can't rely on them for baseload energy, and we all understand that that's a, that's a factor. We also understand, obviously, that there's a massive economy around coal, so we can't be impacting job security at this stage. So, but it doesn't have to be an either-or scenario. We can bring on renewables. We can. There are ways around the transmission issues that we are looking at. They're already doing that in the Western Cape. Um, in George and Stellenbosch, they're looking at bringing renewables online without impacting the grid in any way. So there, there are ways that we can um, address the green energy issue as well as keep our, part, our, our coal in place until we're at a point where we can do a proper just energy transition. But we are at risk of losing $8.5 billion of money that has been um, secured, it's grant and concessional funding, by the International Partners Group, which is your European countries and, and the US, geared towards a just energy transition. So if we keep doubling down on this whole idea and we're not looking at bringing renewables into play, we are going to lose a substantial amount of money that could actually get this country on the right trajectory to meeting our, our um, climate goals as well as to meeting our energy requirements. Now, do you and the minister ever communicate with each other? I've tried. It's a one-way one communication. Um, I chat to him when I see him in Parliament the couple of times that he's been there. Don't forget, he's gotten away with not having to report to anybody. He's had no accountability for six months because he's had no portfolio committee to account to. So I've seen him in Parliament three times where there have been questions to ministers and that's been the sum total of any engagement that we've had in any formal environment. So 
Um, with him now, um, Parliament having decided now that he reports to the Department of Public Enterprises, at least there will be opportunities for us to engage with him um, in our portfolio committee so that we can have conversations. I have emailed him. I've sent him recommendations from people. I've invited him to join me on a tour of the Western Cape so we can go and look at the solutions that they are bringing to the table. He's also failed to attend any of the energy um, ad hoc energy meetings um, in the Western Cape, despite having three times agreed to be there and then and then not pitching for them. So at this stage, he seems to be very happy communicating through the media, but he's not too happy in terms of communication on a one-on-one basis or via um, you know any of the committees that are established to address energy. Now, if you were the minister and not the shadow, what would your priorities be right now? My priorities would be um, twofold. One would obviously be in trying to secure funding for for um, the grid to increase that capability, um, and then also to be bringing renewable energies online, tapping into the the money that's available to us um, from from overseas to try and bring more and more renewable energies online while we are transitioning, so that we are we are increasing green energy jobs while we're not losing. Um, coal jobs, um, and then to find a way that we can have that just transition um, happening. There's, there is so much, there's a wealth of knowledge and experience overseas in terms of how we can do this. Um, but government seems absolutely hell-bent on ignoring the international um, partners and, and just barreling ahead on their own trajectory. Thank you. That was Samantha Gray-May, the Democratic Alliance's Shadow Minister of Electricity, speaking to Biz News. Thank you, Samantha. Thank you so much for having me, Chris. 